Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. Take us with you anywhere and download the TuneIn app for your computer or smartphone and listen to us live whenever and wherever you want. 95.1 The One revolutionizes radio with a playlist that lasts for days, not minutes. Just now in our studios is Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for coming in, and a happy homecoming week to you. Yes, it is homecoming week for the Raiders, game on Friday night, and all sorts of activities for our high school students this week, and they've got a little theme every day, and I believe today is Tacky Tourist Day uh, at the high school, <laughs> so you got to love the creativity of our high school students. Absolutely. You know, last time we talked to you, uh, you were uh, going to have an open house, which uh, you did for the, uh, the, I guess it's five schools, five right. buildings that have been, um, I guess, rehabbed would be the word for it in the last uh, few years. Yeah, well, we had, what we had was we had our open house last uh, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. They were, we had five projects that were associated with the 2018 bond referendum. And, of course, the one that everyone really notices is the new Greenvale Park uh, Elementary. And I'll come back to that in just a second. But we did have open houses at all five of the sites that were impacted by the 2018 bonds. So uh, we had open houses at Spring Creek Elementary that had a new cafeteria and then some renovation to the old cafeteria and meeting center and some classroom work. Uh, we had a change at Bridgewater Elementary, uh, constructing a new secure school entrance and reformatting the former offices, some small group special education learning space. Of course, at the former Longfellow building, it's now the district offices and area learning center. Area, area learning center stayed on the second floor, and we uh, renovated uh, p- some classrooms into district office space. Again, that building built in 1948, that first floor and lower floor. Many people remember going to kindergarten in that building, and sure. uh, but now district office is not a great place for small children anymore, but certainly a great place for superintendents to work. The Northfield Community Education Center, which again is the former Greenfield Park Elementary and that brought all of our early childhood programs under one roof, that is already showing the return on the investment that we were looking for and we'll be happy to talk about that in a future uh, episode here. Uh, and then, of course, Greenvale Park Elementary. And at Greenvale Park, we had a, a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity to have a little ribbon-cutting ceremony a year late, um, mm-hmm. you know. but nonetheless, it was well-attended. It was a beautiful evening. Uh, we had quite a few people coming through, both families and uh, members of the community without children, just curious. We had four just amazing student speakers. So we had uh, Ellie uh, Njagi, Santi Peralta Marcial, Leo Steinberg, and Mary Lou Street, and these kids were fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, we actually have the ceremony streaming uh, on our EduVision website. So if people want to check that out, they certainly can do that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, last night you had a uh, school board meeting. Uh, where would you like to start with that? Well, I think we should start with the levy um, okay. because I, I know that I have heard the, my counterparts uh, from other governmental jurisdictions coming in and talking about the mm-hmm. levy. So uh, to start, well, we won't bury the lead, the school district levy. When we talk about the levy, we're talking about the overall taxation of the school district, which is beyond just the city of Northfield. And it's actually beyond Rice County. Uh, we serve students in three different counties. So the, the district uh, encompasses uh, Rice, Dakota, uh, and Goodhue counties, and small portions, of course, of uh, Dakota and Goodhue counties. But when we talk about the levy, we're talking about that entire district levy. And the overall district levy right now is anticipated. The preliminary that, a levy that was approved last night was approved at the max. And when we approve it at the max, what we are not able to increase the levy after we have set the preliminary version of it. But we can under-levy from there. So the state does allow school districts to do something called levying at the max. 
And the reason is that unlike my friends at the city and county, our levy is very prescripted by the state. So it's very specific, and, and the vast majority of it is driven by student enrollment. And so as we've talked about many times before, Jeff, we had a demographic study probably about eight years ago now, and it had predicted that we were going to see some declining enrollment. And overall, that study is uh, shown to be true. And so we uh, are projecting fewer students this year based upon that uh, long-time demographic study that is playing out just as Hazel Reinhart suggested it would. And so we do have a lower levy this year. So overall, the school district levy will go down preliminarily by about 1.5%. Um, across the entire system. And so for uh, homeowners and property owners out there, we think, oh, that means my taxes will go down. And and that is very true if the valuation of your property stays exactly the same uh, as last year. So for example, if I'm an owner of a $250,000 home and that's my valuation, um, and that was my same valuation last year, your school district taxes should go down by just a little bit more, about $128 roughly. Now, we all know no one's houses ever stay at the same valuation, right? And so uh, we just want to make the differentiation between the overall levy, again, which will be down by 1.5% uh, versus what that impacts your own individual property. And that's just a common question we get at this time of the year. And, they, and again, our, our lower levy um, is because our levy process is prescriptive by the state. There are only certain things that we can levy for, and the vast majority are driven by student counts. All right. So we're looking at, uh, Is it would that be fair to say that there's going to be about 1.5% decline in student enrollment? Then or? no, it's, it's it, that is not that's not a it's not it a one to one in that okay. area. It's just that how those calculations are done when we have fewer students. That means we generate fewer dollars, which means the levy is less. Okay, all right. Uh, what's and, and we're still finishing up our enrollment. Our big mm-hmm. enrollment date is usually around October first. Um, you know, people ask, well, do you know exactly what you're? We have a weekly count, but. It takes a little bit of time to settle everything out, to learn uh, who has come in and from what districts and where people have gone. So we have a we have a good idea, but we don't have a specific number as of yet. But we'll be able to share that the next time that we get together. All right. Let's move on. I want to talk about COVID uh, and the COVID numbers within the school district. Rich and I were talking earlier this morning, uh, and he... Uh, uh, was under the impression that the, the Northfield has done very well as far as uh, COVID numbers. We have fewer than uh, what a lot of districts around the state uh, have have seen uh, as far as students uh, catching the uh, COVID uh, virus and uh, during the pandemic. What are the real numbers like? Have you have you got a look at those yet? <clears throat> uh, as you might imagine, we pay very close attention to mm-hmm. it, and so I think that uh, we. The way I describe it is that I don't think that we should fear COVID-19, but we should certainly respect it, right? I I consider it to the power of ice that we have in the wintertime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not fearful of ice, but I certainly respect the power of ice, right? And so I take appropriate precautions to make sure that um, I stay upright in the winter. (laughs) And I think that our approach has been very similar. So I would say that um, so far, uh, the latest number I had as of yesterday was that since August 31st, we've had a total of 23 uh, confirmed COVID-19 cases within the district, either staff or students. Uh, We update our school district dashboard every day if there's a change. And so uh, listeners can go to the school district website, upper right-hand corner, you'll see COVID-19 updates, and you can click that. There's a link then to the dashboard. you got to do a couple of links to get there. We update update that every day. Um, and then we also uh, update uh, weekly what our influenza-like illness rate percentage is and also our quarantine uh, rate percentage. And that quarantine rate 
uh, is the students who we have had to send home because they were a close contact with someone who had tested positive for COVID-19. I'll talk about that in just a moment. And it also includes people who may are, uh, be demonstrating some symptoms of COVID-19, but they haven't tested positive for it. Uh, it also could be that they had an exposure at home, not at school. And so we are sharing those numbers regularly. Uh, when we compare and talk with other districts, uh, it's not like we have an ability right now to stack up who's doing better. Um, every community has to make the right decisions for them. Uh, what I would say is through about two and a half weeks of school, uh, what I would characterize our, our safety measures have mitigated the spread. We know that. And so the primary mitigation factor that we're using is, of course, universal masking. And uh, we have seen, we're seeing that that is limiting the spread at school. And that's a good thing, right? Because our goal is uninterrupted in-person learning. Now, we have some other pieces. We really have focused on ventilation. We're also working on making sure that if you've been exposed, uh, that we try to have you stay home for a bit uh, to make sure that you have not contracted the virus. Uh, I want to share that that quarantine is down a lot this year. So just for example, in a typical elementary school uh, COVID-19 case last year, because of the way that elementary schools work, and we all know, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, small kids have to learn together, right? And so the ability to keep them apart is just not practicable. And so we would basically send an entire classroom home uh, to do distance learning for 10 days last year. And so this year, when we've had a few elementary cases so far, uh, the average number of close contacts that we've needed to quarantine at school is less than it's five or less. Now, that sounds, I think, the average rush is, wow, that's, that's a lot better. And of course it is. But we also have to understand that every quarantine, every family that has to have their student home, that is a real hardship, right? All of the federal support for people in terms of uh, extra leave that the federal government provided, uh, some additional unemployment uh, assistance, those programs are all but gone. So we take when we're going to have to have someone quarantine because of close contact at school very seriously. And it is not, it is more nuanced this year than last year. Last year was Everybody, you know, in, the, in an elementary classroom, or we were looking at six feet around every uh, secondary student, and of course that was the same at the elementary, just we knew they were closer together. So there are fewer times because of universal masking. Universal masking allows us not to quarantine students if everyone uh, around that infected person was uh, wearing a mask. But the problem is it's more nuanced. So there are fewer times during the day when there is that opportunity for someone to be unmasked uh, near within six feet of each other for about 15 minutes. And so, or for 15 minutes or more, excuse me. So that is more nuanced and it is more, it is, it is a little bit more complicated. And so I really appreciate the folks in the community who have been supportive and understanding and we, we expect and we welcome questions about it. But what I want people to know is that we are doing the absolute best that we can to keep this thing out. We have not kept it out. We won't keep it out. Can I say we will, we, that we uh, will end up with an outbreak? We very well could because this is something beyond the six hours a day of school, right? And so it is a, it's even more complicated in many ways this year than last year, and that's really frustrating to many people in the community, including our school personnel, because we want this thing to be done. It isn't done yet. We're going to keep doing what we can to prioritize in-person learning using our safety measures. Um, we did see a CDC study come out last week that I encourage people to look at uh, that studied school districts in Arizona and the difference in outbreaks at schools who had universal masking versus who didn't and or if they adopted masking later. And that study is showing that schools that adopted universal masking early, like Northfield Public Schools, have been able to mitigate the spread better than districts that did not. And that's one study out of one state, but Arizona starts school early, 
the numbers are probably fairly good. So again, encourage people to check out the dashboard and uh, always happy to try to talk through things with folks. Uh, one more question uh, concerning that, and that's uh, about vaccination and that yeah. process. We're, we're hearing now that uh, the, I believe it's Pfizer's latest that uh, is looking to get uh, their vaccinations approved for younger people, you know, f- uh, 5 to the 12. Where is, uh, explain Northfield's, uh, the, the school district's, uh, I guess, policy on that, and where do you see that going uh, over the course of, uh, well, this fall? Yeah, so what we know is that uh, we haven't been shy about it, right? We we believe that um, based on the data and the research and the expert advice of trusted local health experts from Northfield Hospital and Clinics and Alina Clinics, that this COVID-19 vaccine is, a, is the most effective tool we have in eliminating the virus. And we're unapologetic about sharing that. And certainly vaccination is a personal choice. Um, for a lot of folks, but I encourage you, if you've not gotten the vaccine yet, uh, please talk to your doctor and get their take on it, right? Because that's the best advice that you can get. When it comes to student vaccination, the Minnesota legislature is the only body, in my understanding, that is able to compel students to become vaccinated. So we actually have quite a list of vaccines that students are required, right? For example, the measles, mumps, rubella, the MMR shot, uh, students are required to have that. But that's not a Northfield school district or a, a neighboring school district policy. That is state law. And so my understanding, after talking with the Minnesota School Boards Association, to really be clear, only the legislature has the authority to do that. Now, there may be other uh, jurisdictions that could also have some uh, ability to do that, but in Minnesota... Um, my understanding is that the legislature is the only one that has the ability to require students to be vaccinated in order to attend school. We also know that currently there is a conscientious objection piece to that. So if we have a student whose parents don't want them to have the MMR vaccine, I'm just using that as the example, they are able to sign a letter saying that they don't want to do that. Um, so that being said, I, I do strongly encourage people to talk to their physician about the COVID-19 vaccine. And I strongly encourage our parents, once the Pfizer does become available for under 12, again, I strongly encourage you to talk with your doctor about that vaccine. Um, it ha- the, I think it's good news, right, that there's a lot of people who would have preferred to have this approval a month ago. And I think that the fact that despite that kind of pressure, we're seeing the federal regulators really take their time and make sure that they are uh, they are approving something that is safe and effective is important. And so vaccination is an important tool, Jeff. We have a couple other uh, topics I'd like to mention while we have you here. Uh, number one, tomorrow afternoon, you're going to be giving the uh, State of the District address to uh, local businesses uh, sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce. You do this uh, each year. Looking forward to that. Uh, what is the focus on that going to be? Can you give us a little preview? or? Well, I think that if people would like to see it, I'd suggest that they think they can go to the Chamber website and they can purchase a ticket, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's only we, like 20 bucks. Yeah, we so. should. And, it's, and that it's includes a lunch. Great, yeah, and a great meal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yes, we look forward to it. It's one of my favorite events every year to be able to share uh, our vision and uh, what we are doing around our five strategic commitments with the community. So we do that tomorrow. I'll be talking, of course. We'll have to talk a little bit about how COVID has impacted uh, all of our work. But we're organizing the presentation around our five strategic commitment areas, which are people or people business, learner outcomes, both academic and uh, social emotional, uh, partnerships, stewardship, and equity. And so you'll hear a theme of uh, COVID-19, of course, throughout some of those pieces. But I think it's really refreshing to see all of the achievement that happened um, despite 
uh, the challenges that we faced. And then we are also very honest and transparent about the challenges that we face moving ahead. All right. You also mentioned uh, that uh, there is some news within the uh, district's youth uh, council. Yeah, we had a great presentation last night from our district youth council co-chairs. So Northfield, uh, again, I'm so proud of this part that we have, this partnership that we have in the community. And of course, the mayor's youth council was started uh, many years ago by Mayor Dana Graham and Mayor Pownell has continued that. We've also added a district youth council that advises uh, myself and our board chair, Julie Pritchard, um, from a student perspective. And a lot of communities talk about what we call amplifying student voice, giving students uh, a chance to really weigh in on, on meaty issues. And a lot of times they'll do that simply by you know placing one student as a non-voting member of the school board. Well, in Northfield, we have students on, I think it's over 31 boards and commissions. The district youth council for us is the hub with that, but the mayor's youth council is its partner. And so we're really proud of our district youth council uh, being part of that amplification of student voice. Uh, they are working on making sure that the relationship between, between students, the administration, and the school board is open and honest. They're working on issues about how we treat each other and is everyone treated within our school district equitably. Um, they are looking at the student experience and trying to make sure that their peers' voices are elevated. And I just could not be more proud of our district youth council. They had a great presentation last night. Uh, talking about their successes with uh, last year, and then talking about uh, what they have planned for this coming year. All right. Uh, Matt, we're out of time. Thank we you so much are, yes. for for coming in today. We certainly appreciate it and look forward to the State of the District address tomorrow. Yep. Chamber website, come on down. All right. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM, AM 1080, KYMN Northfield. Rich is in in one minute, Tim in about three. An active investigation. Set your alarm for Saturday mornings on KYMN for the Raider Wrap. Join me, Jimmy LaRue, at 10 o'clock each Saturday as I talk with area coaches and gather insight to the ins and outs of high school sports and activities. A.J. Reister will bring you up to date with all the scores and highlights of the week, along with one-on-one interviews in our segment of Meet the Raider. It's all right here Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. on KYMN 95.1, The One. Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. You can find more of them like it on our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcast. Simply search the KYMN Radio Podcast.